everyone, and thanks for joining our Coffee Talk session today, Data Analytics 101, an introduction to treasury and finance data strategies. I'm John Paquette, VP Solutions for TIS's US Market, and today we're going to be discussing some general concepts related to data analytics, why it's important, what sorts of things you can do with data, and we'll maybe even get into some ideas and strategies for those looking to get started with a data analytics strategy. Uh, this is definitely a topic that has garnered a lot of attention lately from the market, and what I'm definitely interested to learn more about too. So to help explain some of these topics, we've enlisted the help of Stephen Batiste, CTO of TIS, and he has who has an extensive background in these topics. Uh, Stephen, welcome to the Coffee Talk, and maybe you could just tell us a little bit about your background. Yes, thank you. So. Um, I actually started making video games back in the old days. And then in 2011, realized the same technology for the video game engines was used for machine learning. And with machine learning, you need lots of data. So for the past 11 years, I've got extensive experience with data and how to use data in different verticals, whether it's entertainment, payments, treasury, the list goes on. It's essentially the same set of machine learning algorithms, but applied to different types of data sets. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So maybe we can start the conversation here with just a very general question about why is data such a big topic right now? You know, I, I guess it's been a big topic for a while, but particularly within treasury and finance, it seems like within the last two years just has gotten so much attention and so many organizations are interested in having a data-driven analytics strategy. So what do you think is really contributing to that? I think it's really the technology is allowing more connectivity. More connectivity brings in more data. So we're seeing exponential data growth and everyone's sitting on this data, looking at the infrastructure costs for this data and thinking maybe there's ways to monetize this because we, we are about companies like Meta, Google, monetizing their data very well. So maybe we can do the same. That's a good point, too. And I, I think from a practitioner standpoint, people are starting to think, too, about what sorts of insights can I just draw from these these data elements, right? So you have historically processes, I think, that, you know, Treasury and finance people have tried to undertake things like cash flow forecasting, for, for example, that doesn't really generate the outcomes that you hope it does unless the data set is really complete. And I feel like that's also shifting people's mindsets to think hey, you know, let's let's tackle the data problem here first and then let's think about the technology later. And, you know, maybe there's there's strategies out in the market today to be able to make this data aggregation um, topic a lot easier for companies too. So maybe we could go into some of the, I guess, more specific problems that people are solving these days with data and maybe, you know, maybe a few examples pertaining to specifically finance, treasury, you know, that sort of industry. Yeah, so you mentioned the obvious ones like cash flow forecasting, Forex risk analysis based on bringing in external economic data alongside your own data. Then there's fraud prevention, looking for patterns in data to see whether you can learn from the past to prevent fraud for the future. And then there's also just payment optimization, other ways to optimize payments from data of payments. Uh, again, for Forex, can, can we optimize Forex payments? Can we optimize like the payment cycles, how we flow, how we send money around? So there's many different ways of, of actually working within Treasury just for the data and what that brings. Yeah. You mentioned fraud detection. That's a big one that jumps into my mind when I think about the value of data. If you're, you know, analyzing your payment activity and trying to detect if that's abnormal, you know, you, you need a lot of data to be able to do that. Yeah. Historical payment data, um, you know, information about, hey, do I typically pay in a different currency or has somebody recently made a change in my vendor master that might be somewhat suspicious? Even bringing in data elements like, you know, that um, account validation services are offering these days, like, you know, the bank telling you how long the account's been open for. Is it seven days or is it, you know, four years? That contributes quite a bit to the risk profile of that transaction. So 
huge opportunity there, it seems like, for data. Um, and then there's other processes, it seems like cash flow forecasting, where like, you know, data is the fuel, <laughs> so to speak, right? You can't run that process without data. And then ultimately, the advantages are more that now you can actually detect inefficiencies in your business processes or things you can probably do better or, you know, risks that maybe you couldn't otherwise. So kind of two different ways that, you know, organizations are consuming data these days. But, you know, I guess if you if you want to uh, take advantage of either, you need to be able to collect data. And, you know, maybe we can talk about some of the challenges organizations might face in trying to collect the data that they want and need. Yeah, definitely, because there's a term, like everybody's talking about data lakes, like let's still uh, take all our data, place it into a data lake, and then everything will be great. But most of the time it ends up being a, what they call a data swamp, where you have all this data being stored and you just don't know what to do with it, you can't use it for anything, you can't even access it, you don't even know what data you've got stored. So a big part of collecting data is actually transforming the data into something that's meaningful and can be used for the future. And you may have multiple copies of the data transformed in different ways for different use cases, but you really need to find ways of how do we bring this data in, stir it in the way that makes sense for us, and at the same time, uh, have connections on top of that so we can actually get access to this data and display it in ways that make sense, whether it's through dashboards, through connectivity to other systems, or just, or just plain databases. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I always think about it too. It's you know a lot of the modern solutions out there today, SaaS-based solutions, you know, that are leveraging APIs and things, are built to facilitate this flow of data, right? This collection of data and the sharing of data. But what about the legacy systems out there? If you have to get you know three years of your payment activity trapped in some legacy sort of monolith system, is it trapped there forever, or you know, is there something you can do to kind of get that to be useful data, get it to be structured in the same way as sort of the more modern data collection elements. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, yes, exactly. And that's where the data lake can actually come in and be useful for this because you can pull data into the data lake and as you're pulling it in, transform it. So you can do connections to your legacy systems, your legacy databases, and as the data is being pulled in, transform it into a new way of storage that's more normalized, that makes more sense for the current needs for what you want to do with that data whether it's anonymization, whether it's uh, aggregation, or just collation, so you can cluster into different bucket types. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So yeah, I mean, you mentioned a couple of the systems that people are using for data collection today. Data lakes, that's a big concept, right? We just um, actually launched a survey, and I was interested to hear that 25% of organizations are actually thinking about undertaking a data lake uh, initiative in 2022. Um, so that's one strategy. And I guess, are there others as well that you could use if you really want to have sort of a data-driven process? You know, I guess other strategies you can use to make sure that data doesn't get trapped in those historical silos, you know? Yeah, I think really the first question you should ask yourself is, what do we want to do with the data? And is this realistic? And then does a data lake actually solve this problem? Like, could we solve this problem by just accessing the data directly from our databases? Could we place systems on top of our data to actually display this in aggregated views that we need? Or could we use external services for this data? Like, like will partnering with somebody that knows how to deal with data actually provide us stuff we, we actually need from this, what we're trying to find? Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I think one thing I hear that a lot of organizations have trouble getting started with, you know, data aggregation is just knowing, like, what data do I collect? Do I collect all of it? Or is there a certain data that's more valuable for the particular processes I'm trying to draw, you know, efficiencies from? 
And I guess, is there like an overall sort of data valuation exercise organizations should go through uh, as part of, you know, a data analytics strategy? It definitely comes back down to like really analyzing what are you trying to find from this data and then identifying the data you actually need to do that. So, so with the data, like if you store everything, it's going to cost you a lot of money, like putting all your data into a data lake, even if you're never going to ever use it. It's just kind of redundant space, especially if it's large volume data. So you should really identify what are we trying to solve? What do we need to store to do this? What should we bring into a data lake? And what should we aggregate where we can aggregate? And, and with GDPR and other privacy laws and compliances, like, are we even allowed to do this with the data? That's a good point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, keeping in mind, I guess, you know, it's a good transition, you know, keeping in mind the, the ultimate goal of this data is to ultimately derive some sort of business insights from it, right? After, you, after you've gone, gone ahead and collected it. What does that process look like, I guess, from, you know, the, the standpoint of collecting that data and normalizing that data and then ultimately extracting the information you want from it to lead to those, you know, business insights? I think you summarized it pretty well. It's, it's the storage, the collection, the collation, aggregation. And then earlier on, earlier on, you mentioned uh, like with fraud pattern matching, do you have the complete set of data? So, so something we're actually looking at at TIS is creating synthetic data so we can recreate data in order to be able to train the models we want. So if you want to put AI on top of your models, on top of your data, um, you really need to have a lot of data and good data. And you take fraud again as an example, you may get 1 billion transactions and one of those will be a fraud case. So how can you train a model for pattern recognition when you have to go through thousands of billions of records in order just to find that small training set you need for the patterns? So synthetic data is a, is a really good way to kind of bridge this gap of using your existing data and then building on top of it new data sets that can be then used for more useful courses with machine learning and algorithmic. And for cash forecasting, there's another good example where if you can if you forecast using your existing data, it all works in a normal world, but when you get unnormal events like uh, COVID-19, then all the models kind of, your data doesn't really work anymore for forecasting because it's not predictable for these uncertain black swan events. So another thing you could do is bring in external data. So you can bring in data from say economic data from government websites, and then use this data then on top of your own data to make a data set that's actually more predictive of what, what you want to look at for your own data, where you want to forecast and where you want to be. Mm -hmm. That's a really interesting concept, actually, that synthetic data concept. I mean, if you think about it, there's a lot of organizations who are super interested in taking advantage of a lot of advanced data analytics, but who has historically collected every single piece of data that they need to really, you know, get going on that? And uh, that seems like a good strategy to be able to plug some of those holes in your data set. And in particular, I've heard a lot of companies, you know, really understanding the value that machine learning and AI can bring to the cash forecasting process, but being really conscious of exactly what you said that, you know, the last two years, hey, I can't rely on this, I don't think, for pattern recognition because, you know, behaviors have been so abnormal, payer and, uh, you know, your customer and, and, uh, and supplier behaviors have been so abnormal. So it sounds like it's a good way to sort of smooth the bumps, so to speak, right, for organizations that are still looking to take advantage of. Uh, Definitely, yeah, with synthetic data, you can run out all the different what-ifs. So, like, so if this happened in 2019 or this case happened, you can actually generate data with those different economic kind of balances and weights on the data to see what would happen, how your models would change with those different outcomes. Yep. That's interesting stuff. I mean, it might seem, um, I guess, you know, uh, 
over, you know, difficult for a lot of organizations if they think about the complexities of that synthetic data, you know, data aggregation, data lakes. We've thrown a lot of big topics at, at people during the course of this conversation, obviously. So begs the question, I think, is this strategy accessible to everybody? You know, can anybody do this? Your enterprise organizations down to your, you know, small, small organizations, or do you need, you know, I guess certain, uh, you know, structures in place, either organizational structures, roles, you know, data scientists, for example, people who really understand these topics well, you know, or is it, or I guess has technology just made the approach overall simpler and more accessible across the board, do you think? It's definitely more accessible now and it's becoming more accessible, but it's still a big investment for a company. So in most cases, it's best to kind of partner with someone that can give you the need that you need for your data. And especially when it comes to synthetic data, you're talking machine learning, data science teams, compliance people to actually look at this data to make sure it's actually allowed even. So it ends up quickly mounting up that you have a reasonably sized team just to be able to do something as trivial as give you a dashboard of aggregations. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it seems like there's there's so many components there. So once, you know, it's how do you get the data? And it seems like software providers can help a lot with that, right? That's a problem that a lot of, you know, SaaS yeah. companies solve for. But yeah, you still do happen. And you, you brought it up a couple of times. It's something I've never really thought of. But the regulations around actually storing that data are critical too. Are you actually allowed to, yeah. you know, store any especially, of that? Especially when you're a global company. Yeah. You have data in the EU, you have data in the US and mm -hmm. different laws applied to that data. And you want to be able to see it as a unified data set, but legally you're not allowed to. Right, so right. Really come up with measures out to do that or partner with companies that can actually do that for you. And with connectivity now, it's like easier now than any other time in history to actually connect your data to partnerships so that you can actually bring this in and streamline the efficiencies of actually being able to pull data in and pull data out. Yep, yeah, yeah, so I mean, there's a, I guess there's a lot of different worlds coming together in this strategy. It's, you know, so it has become more accessible because it seems like, you know, you can get the data easier. You have a couple of different strategies. You can go data lake, right, for sort of normalizing this data and storing it. Um, or you could go just an API-based approach between other applications that can just sort of leverage this this data in a more, I guess, de-siloed type way, right, as a, as a simpler approach to the utilizing uh, data, but then you also do have to marry that up with more of the regulatory aspect of it within your organization, you know, and overall IT com components as well. So really interesting stuff. So, I mean, keeping all this in mind, if we had to give some suggestions for like how to get started, you know, you want to get started on a data analytics strategy, or even, you know, for those that have gotten started, how do you know that you're heading in the right direction on your on your data analytics strategy? You know, I guess what, what are some words of wisdom you might be able to give pertaining to those items? I guess the key measure is, do you actually get value from your data? Is is it the cost of generating these signals from data actually bringing the value that to, to the cost ratio? Like what is that? And where do you want to go with the data? Like, do you actually have the data in order to get you where you want to be? And if not, how do you acquire that data? So it's really mapping out what your goals are, how do you get there, and do you have the means to get there? Like, do you yeah. have enough money to invest in this? Do you have enough mon money to actually manage the data? And do you actually have enough data? Makes sense, yeah, I mean, because you just got to keep the, I guess, the finish line in, in sight, right? Like, that you want to actually derive insights from this data that's going to be meaningful for your business, right? And then kind of think backwards from there in terms of, do you have all the pieces in place to really support that process and the means to invest in them as well? So uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Definitely some good words of wisdom. So, you know, that kind of brings us to the end of our uh, 
our session here. So I hope everybody enjoyed this and, and got a good sort of understanding, a base understanding for how data analytics are working or sort of progressing at different organizations these days. Um, we're happy to stick around and answer a few questions if anybody has any questions, or we're also happy to chat offline if anybody you know wants to dig deeper on any of these topics. Um, but otherwise, thanks everybody for joining today and uh, hope to see you again soon. Thank you. Thanks everyone. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you, Stephen.